may be seated. Beautiful singing again on this Lord's Day morning. It has uh, definitely uh, been interesting the last several weeks. Uh, a number of you have commented as well as far as uh, the singing out of God's truth the last few weeks. So, um, once again, what a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. We turn again this morning to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. We are picking it up at verse 17. And we're going to read through this morning verse 31. So 17 through 31 this morning as we speak again about the nature of faith. Hebrews 11, 17 through 31. Let us hear then that word that we just sang so beautifully of as God breathes it out to us this morning. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's again bow our heads in prayer and ask for God's blessing. Shall we pray? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, once again, we ask for your blessing on the reading of your word 
And we ask for your blessing on Pastor Bob as he brings the message this morning concerning this word, that you'll open our hearts and minds, Father, that uh, we will be convicted uh, and blessed. And Father, we just praise you for the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, dear Father, and this is a gift from you, and we thank you and praise you for it. And we especially this morning consider uh, the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and in his precious name alone that we pray, amen. And amen. So three things from this particular section of Hebrews 11 this morning. First of all, that their faith was active. Secondly, that their faith was an example. And thirdly, that their faith is an encouragement. Their faith was active. Their faith was an example. Their faith is an encouragement. As I read this selection from Hebrews 11 this morning, and as you think about it, did anything strike you as rather strange? Did anything strike you as being, hmm, never really read it that way? I never really saw things that way. Oftentimes, we refer to this passage of Hebrews chapter 11 as the heroes of faith. It's interesting, I don't think the term actually ever appears in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not so sure I would entitle it heroes. I think I would just simply say the effects of faith. If you want an example of how faith affects life, how faith affects living, then read Hebrews chapter 11. It's full of examples. Not sure they're heroes. There's some kind of strange characters listed here. Some pretty imperfect people. Particularly as we come to the next section, Lord willing, next Lord's Day. A lot of imperfect people. I'm not sure they're all heroes. Not in the sense in which we might think of that. So as we delve into it this morning, let's, let's kind of rethink Hebrews chapter 11. Not so much in terms of perhaps the Sunday school version of Hebrews chapter 11, but maybe the everyday life that's being lived in Hebrews chapter 11. Because the first thing I want you to note is that their faith is an active faith. That's the point of Hebrews chapter 11. It's interesting. No individual was given a test. No individual was given a test of 20 theological terms that they had to define and cite a scripture text in order to be listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Nobody had to write a dissertation paper. Nobody had to write a paper on a particular biblical theme. And here it is presented in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, it would seem like Hebrews chapter 11 is going out of its way 
to present to us not some sort of head knowledge, but a heart passion that is lived out from day to day. Well, that doesn't mean that understanding theological terms and being able to define them and give scriptural evidence of them isn't important and doesn't have its place. But I think so often what we do is we define faith by how much knowledge somebody has. How much do they know? How many books do they have? How much time do they spend reading theological works? Oh, they must be a person of great faith. Well, they may be a person of great knowledge. But that doesn't necessarily imply they're a person of great faith. Seems like Hebrews chapter 11 goes through and gives to us some pretty ordinary things of life and lifts them up and says, this is faith. So first of all, just think with me in this section that we've read of the cast of characters we have before us. Who does God, the Holy Spirit, give to us in this section? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, Moses, the Israelites, and Rahab. This this is our cast of characters. And what do they do? Well, it ranges in this section everything from the following. Obedience to God. Blessings given. Speaking of one's burial. Hiding. Refusing. Sprinkling blood on doorposts, walking, and providing a friendly welcome. That's what the text brings out. Want to see faith? Here, here's five theological terms. No, you want to see faith? Faith is seen in the actions of people's lives. People... Faith is seen in being obedient to God. Now think about this. Scripture is lifting out and saying, you want to see faith? It's when you're dying and you put your hands on the heads of your sons and you bless them. That's faith. That's real faith. So much so, is that an example of faith? (laughs) I'm going to list it in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm dying and my favorite son brings in his two sons and I put my hands on them, crossing them, and I put blessings upon them. There's faith. There's faith. 
I'm dying. And I give you instructions as to what to do with my bones. That's faith. We have a little child and we don't want him to die, so we hide him. That's faith. I take a stand with God's people. That's faith. I take some blood and put it on a hyssop branch and I sprinkle it on doorways. And I tell other folks to do that as well. That's faith. I walk around a town one time for six days, and on the seventh day, I walk around that town seven times. That's faith. I have some visitors come, they're foreigners. I provide a friendly welcome. That's faith. See, when you kind of break down the passage, you're kind of left with, well, some of those seem to require something extra, but most of them are, seem to be kind of common, ordinary things one might do. When one lives out of a Christian perspective on life, faith in action. But there is a reoccurring theme with each of these characters that, that are in this particular section in regards to their actions. And the reoccurring theme. It's two things. One, there is the theme of looking forward in hope. They are not people who are looking behind them. They are not people who are looking in the past. They are people who are looking forward. Looking forward to God fulfilling his promises. And even though they themselves did not necessarily receive the blessing of those promises, they are nonetheless believing that God will bring those promises about and he will bring them about even to them, even though they're going to die. That's the theme. Whether it's Abraham sacrificing Isaac, whether it's Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau, or Jacob blessing the two sons of Joseph, or whether it's Joseph talking about his burial, or Moses' parents, or Moses, or the Israelites, or Rahab. All of their actions that arise out of faith are actions that are looking forward. Forward to that which God might do? No. Actions that they wish God would do? No. Actions that they know God will do. And that's the action of fulfilling all of his promises.
That's faith. Living every day, step by step, with the understanding, I believe God will fulfill all of his promises. And I'm looking forward to God fulfilling all of his promises. And the decisions I make, the actions I do, are based upon God's fulfilling of his promises. I am looking ahead. I live my life not in the here and now, not in the past, but in the fulfillment of God's promises. And I order my life according to the fulfillment of those promises. That's faith. Or the second theme is moving forward in assurance that God is fulfilling his purposes. Probably the one that stands out a little bit stronger than the others, right, is, is Abraham sacrificing Isaac. He is willing to do so. He is willing to move towards Mount Moriah. He is willing to climb the mountain. He is willing to build the altar. He is willing to put his son upon the altar. He is willing to take the knife and as he is about ready to plunge it into Isaac. He hears God's word of grace. Stop! What is the comment that is made about his action? He believed that even if he were to fulfill the act of killing Isaac, which he intended to do, God could raise him from the dead. He moves forward based upon the assurance that God has a purpose, God has a plan. And so he moves forward. And if you look down through all of that cast of characters, look down through their actions, those two themes of looking forward in hope and looking moving forward in assurance, knowing God is going to fulfill his promises and knowing that God is going to fulfill his purposes is what brings faith to life. They live life based under those two themes. Now God doesn't just provide us Hebrews chapter 11 to give to us and help us to define and perhaps rethink and reshape a little bit what faith actually is. But he also gives it to us to show us these people as examples. How do I know that? Because look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who is the cloud of witnesses? It's Hebrews chapter 11. It's all these people that are mentioned. 
from verse 1 all the way to the end. These people form a cloud of witnesses. And then he goes on to talk about, so let us run the race, right, unhindered. We'll come back to Hebrews chapter 12, Lord willing, someday. But what's the point? Those people that are mentioned there are mentioned because they form examples. They're witnesses. Now, in what sense are they witnesses? I guess is sitting here today, as, as, I, as you look at chapter 12, verse 1, there are undoubtedly many of you who are thinking, oh, they're all watching. They're witnessing my life. We're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses who are watching me. Abraham's watching me. Isaac's watching me. Moses is watching me. Rahab is watching me. Noah, from last week, is watching me. Now, that isn't the way in which the word witness is being used here. It isn't being used in terms of all these people are watching your life. They're going, oh, I see a misstep there. Oh, that wasn't a life of faith there. Oh, that was a bad decision there. And they're all commenting as some judge's panel upon what we're doing. They're all holding up some sort of scorecard. See, we used to have something that we watched every once in a while called the Olympics. Okay? That kind of seems to have gone away. Right? Okay? Remember how the Olympics used to work? Think, for example, of figure skaters. Right? They do their performance, and then there's that panel of judges. 6.5 for technical. Right? 7.2 for creative. And then we get the comment from American commentators, well, that's a Russian judge, you know. He never gives good grades to the, you know, and they do that game back and forth and back and forth. Right? I think there's a lot of people who look at Hebrews chapter 12 that way. These people are there, and they're all giving us scorecards every day. Oh, how'd you do on faith today? Well, it was a 5.2. Well, today wasn't a bad day. You got a 6.4. My grandkids, okay, when, you know, love this because they like to jump off the dock, right? And then it's, Grandpa, you know, what did I score? What did I get, you know? How are you going to tell the difference between a splash and a sploosh type of thing, right? It's going to be kind of tough, but, you know, they're always above a nine, you know. So that's, that's grandpa's perspective, right? But you see, there's another way to understand this word witness. It's their testimony. That's the way it's used here. All these are bearing testimony. They're not watching you. Their lives are there to inform you. They are giving testimony. That's what a witness does, right? A witness, on one hand, observes a traffic accident. Yes, you might be a witness that way. But you might also be the witness who is called into the courtroom. Right? Who now has to provide the testimony. See, Noah provided testimony. What was his testimony? He built an ark. 
Abel provides testimony. What's Abel's testimony? He offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Abraham provides testimony to you and I. What's the testimony? He left her of the Chaldees and went to a land that God would show him. He offered up Isaac when called. What's Isaac's testimony? Let's put Isaac on the stand. What's Isaac's testimony? I blessed my sons. What's Joseph's testimony? I spoke of my burial. What's Rahab's testimony? I provided a friendly welcome to the two spies. Hey, Israelites, what's your testimony? We walked around Jericho. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us then, what? Live the life of faith. Let us live from day to day. Understanding, looking forward in hope that God fulfills his promises. Moving forward in assurance, knowing that God fulfills his purposes. We have a cloud of witnesses. Let's move. Let's not hold back. Let's not keep our feet still. Let's not keep our lives on hold. Let's move. That's faith. Because faith always implies action. You know how else they're an example? They're all flawed. <laughs> they're all flawed. They're sinful and they're weak. Every single one of them. There isn't a perfect person amongst the lot. There isn't a sinless name on the list. They're all sinful. They're all weak. They're all been born and conceived in sin. They all deal with Adam's sinful nature and they all deal with their own sins before God as well they're all flawed <laughs> therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses see this is where I think the problem comes in when we call them heroes of faith Because when you call them a hero of faith, you go, well, I can never be a hero of faith. My, my life stinks. I can never be a hero of faith. You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. How about what David did? How about what Samson did? How about what Abraham did? How about what Jacob did? If you want to get into the Gutter, we can get in the gutter really easily with these folks. How about what Rahab did? How about what Moses did? 
See, they're all flawed. What great witnesses God puts on the stand. Flawed people. Flawed people like you and me. Weak people like you and me. You mean I can be a person of faith too? Yes. It doesn't take sinlessness to be a person of faith. What a glorious, inspiring, uplifting passage. Not heroes of faith. Sinful, weak people of faith. Flaws all the way along. We've been studying David in Thursday mornings. One of the problems is when you stop and study the life of David chapter by chapter by chapter, and you ladies know this as well from Sunday mornings. When you go through it chapter by chapter, you see a pretty flawed person. You see a pretty sinful person. But you know what else is true of all of these people? Not only are they sinful and weak, they are all chosen by God. Chosen by God. They're all objects of grace. None of them deserves to be chosen by God. None of them deserves to be amongst those that we speak of in Ephesians chapter 1, those who have been foreknown before the foundations of the earth, those who have been chosen by God. None of them deserved it. Why? Because they're all sinful and weak. But they're all objects of grace. Objects of grace who are the weak made strong. These are weak people. But in the hands and in the purposes of God, they are made strong. Listen to the Apostle Paul if we go back, for example, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27. You want to turn to that a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27. I'll start at 26 because that puts it in a better context. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What a glorious reminder. Of these folks that we've read about. What a beautiful reminder of us. He chose the weak. He chose the sinful. In order that we might be strong. 
Heroes? Ordinary. Ordinary people in the hands of an extraordinary God become what? People of faith. People of faith. So I'd submit to you again as we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, our third point, that their faith then becomes a huge encouragement. When we properly understand what's going on in Hebrews chapter 11, when we understand the people, when we understand what it is that God is holding out to us, when we see the beauty of God's grace to us in Christ, when we see how it is that in Christ Jesus, we who are the weak are made strong. We come to the understanding, yeah, God even takes an Abraham. God takes a Moses. God takes a Rahab. He transforms and changes their life so that they become people of faith. And what is a person of faith again? A person of faith is someone who looks forward in hope, knowing God fulfills his promises. A person of faith is a person who moves forward in assurance, knowing that God fulfills his purposes. Every day. Every day. Living faith. What an encouragement. An encouragement because we see that it's God's gift of faith. We see that it's only that tra transforming work of God's grace upon these individual lives. We see it because of God's gift. And as we think about it as little farms today... It's God's gifts of resources. Look what God has provided. Look what God has done with ordinary people. Right? And I don't mean ordinary in the sense of run of the mill. That's not what I mean. What I mean by that is that we're simply folks who know we're sinners. But we've experienced the transforming grace of God in Christ. And look what God has done. Everything you see, everything you will go through this morning is paid for. In the midst of COVID, what God did with some ordinary folks. And not only that, God's provided resources beyond that. We didn't spend down the last nickel. God 
has provided resources that are unimaginable in this day and age. I'm not lifting us up. I'm lifting God up and what God has done through those who live lives of faith. Through those who live obediently. Through those who are looking forward. Knowing God fulfills his promises. Those who are moving forward knowing that God fulfills his purposes. Look what God has done. See, when we say, well, it's Moses who actually gets all the credit for leading the people of Israel out. No, of course not. It's God. But God took a Moses and used a flawed Moses to accomplish his purposes. But it's not only, folks, the resources. Look at the facilities. Do you realize that at a time less than a hundred years ago, all that existed of little farms was a little house about where the light post is in the front of the parking lot. A little house, kind of like, well, not near as big as the one next to it. That's all Little Farms was. That's all that it was. One little house. Do you realize at one time all it was was a little whiteboard building that sat sort of where our gym is, sat maybe 40 people. That's all it was. Do you realize at one time, all that Little Farms was, was a little orange brick building that sat pretty much about where this section of the sanctuary is. That's all it was. Do you realize at one time, all it was, was that and a gym? God taking ordinary people, living lives of faith, not looking backwards, not looking sideways, but looking forward. Looking forward knowing God fulfills his promises, knowing that God fulfills his purposes, and moving forward. Because that's what faith is. That's what faith does. That is by definition what faith actually is. Look what God has done. See, what, what could be stated here By faith, Little Farms Chapel 
in the midst of the depression, moves forward in faith. Little Farms Chapel, in the midst of a small little building, moves forward in faith. Little Farms Chapel moves forward, trusting the promises of God. Little Farms Chapel in the midst of a worldwide shutdown. A hunkering down, a tightening of the belt, opens its wallets, moving forward in faith. What an encouragement these people of Hebrews chapter 11 are because they direct us back to God and what God has done. You see, they're an encouragement because in all of chapter 11, what we're really seeing is God's gift of providence. The right people at the right time in the hands of God. Those that God has chosen. Those that God has selected. Those that God has given the gift of faith to. In his hands, at the right time, accomplish his purposes. So you see, my friends, today is not a day to look back. Today is not a day to look sideways. Today is a day to look ahead. What is it that God would have you and I today, tomorrow, next week, next month? How does he want our faith to be active? If that which God has done in the past is an encouragement to you and is an encouragement to me, I'm living tomorrow in eager expectation. You know why? Because tomorrow God is going to fulfill his promises and God is going to fulfill his purposes. How? Through you and through me. Until that glorious day of the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's still not done with us yet. He has even more in store. But we can't put our eyes upon ourselves. Our eyes need to be upon Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's turn in our hymn books, if you would, then, to 446. 446, and we'll stand to sing.